Welcome to IBS Chat from the IBS Patient Support Group. I'm Jeffrey Roberts, the IBS expert and founder of the IBS Patient Support Group website and social media platforms and creator of World IBS Day, held every April 19th. I was diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome at age 16 and I've lived with IBS for over 25 years. It's my mission to educate people living with irritable bowel syndrome and to raise awareness about research and treatment options and what it's like to live with IBS. The IBS Patient Support Group is a community to inform and support irritable bowel syndrome sufferers and can be reached at ibspatient.org. Supporting IBS patients is something that I think of every day because the quality of life of an IBS patient and those that support them is very important to me. Episode number 10. Grace Whittle is 32 years old from Dublin, Ireland. She first began developing IBS symptoms out of nowhere when she was around 23 years old and felt like she had food poisoning lasting six months before she went to see her doctor. She often went to the bathroom 12 to 15 times a day with diarrhea and cramping. Grace is engaged to Angus Short, who is the co-founder of the air device made by Food Marble. The air device measures the amount of hydrogen in your breath. It is used to analyze foods that contain FODMAPs. A low FODMAP diet is recommended to patients with IBS to reduce symptoms caused by fermentable sugars in foods. The term FODMAP is an acronym for the different sugars. Angus recognized that FODMAPs may be the source of some of Grace's symptoms and suggested she reduce some FODMAP foods. Much to Grace's surprise, the low FODMAP diet made her symptoms disappear overnight. Food Marble's invention of the air for measuring hydrogen in foods revealed that Grace could eat some foods, which she was not sure she could eat. However, a diet and FODMAP wasn't the only answer for Grace's symptoms. Grace was fortunate to work with doctors that took her symptoms seriously. Her experience in coping with IBS definitely helped to give her confidence. She believes that you will find a solution, but it won't look like anyone else's solution. Grace is also fortunate to have a very supportive and empathetic partner, Angus, and for him to invent a device that would help solve her problems. Grace and I spent some time together getting to know her story and how she copes. So Grace, let me welcome you, first of all. Thank you for uh, offering to do this with me. Uh, I'm curious, um, at what age were you when you were first uh, diagnosed or, or even when you first started having your symptoms and how old are you now? Uh, well, I'm 32 now uh, and I started having symptoms when I was around 23, 24. Um, it, as far as I can remember, they came out of nowhere. I don't remember having issues, you know, with my digestion before. Uh, so I just remember one day I was fine and then the next I wasn't. Uh, I was. It took about a year, maybe just over a year to get my diagnosis. Um, the delay was at first on my end because I, I honestly, the symptoms were such that I, I thought I kept having bouts of food poisoning. So I just treated that myself at home. You know, I didn't think to, you know, when you get a tummy bug, you don't go to the doctor. Right. So uh, it, there was about maybe six months of that before I I really put it all together and thought that maybe there is something else going on. Um, but once I went to my, once my GP and I decided we would do further investigations and I saw the consultant, you know, I had all my tests and all my consultations quite quickly and got my diagnosis probably within five or six months of first seeing my GP about it. Well, that's fabulous. Some people go years before they're know, diagnosed yeah. and, 
And, you know, you mentioned food poisoning. I described that to my family as well. I feel like I have food poisoning. I feel like I have food poisoning. And they kept saying to me, you can't possibly have food poisoning that many times. Uh, yeah. So it's it's interesting that you use the same uh, term that I've used, food poisoning. So w when you say food poisoning, what does that mean to you? How did you feel? Um, what did you feel in your tummy? What did you feel? Did you have pain? Uh, were you in the bathroom a lot? How, how would you describe your symptoms? Yeah, my symptoms were mainly uh, diarrhea and and pain, uh, abdominal pain. Um, I know now, you know, I didn't have any kind of fever or uh, I didn't really feel nauseous. Um, it was definitely all sort of diarrhea and cramping. Um, but, you know, there'd be days where I could uh, be going to the toilet maybe 12 or 15 times. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I really vividly remember some of the early times. Um, you know, I'd be on the bus into work and I'd have to just get off the bus and find somewhere. And then I would just have to go home. Um, and it was actually through making excuses to my job that I realized there was something, you know, there was a pattern. Um, I, I kept missing. There was these, for months, there was at least once a day, once a week, I'd miss a day of work. Right. Uh, which is, you know, my manager at the time was extremely supportive, uh, as much as she could be, but no, I didn't know what was going on. So I, you know, I, What's, and I, you know, when you, when you get those kind of tummy issues, you're, you're always very discreet about it. You don't really want to. You are. Nobody really talks about these things. So no. it, it was, it was great that you actually even reached out to your manager and let them know that something was going on because it is challenging. It's uh, one of the problems that a lot of people have when they're diagnosed or not even diagnosed before they are is they don't know who to tell they don't want to say that they have a problem that's going to you know make them less of an employee than somebody else and you don't want to take anyone to have notice of what you're doing you know oh this person's going to the bathroom a lot why are they going to the bathroom a lot and they don't really understand and you just don't want to go there so i i completely get that so it sounds like you were having this uh daily uh yeah for for quite some time actually Wow, how difficult yeah. was that? That's really difficult. Yeah, it was. Um, it, I wrote a, a blog on on the on you know the food marble blog. I wrote an article about my experience, and it was uh, really interesting putting all my thoughts together for that. Um, just remembering what I went through because <laughs> it has been so many years, and it's actually been a, so it's been a long time since I've had that bad of a time. Um, so it was interesting for me to look back and see what I what I did actually go through and what I managed to get through. Um, there was times, you know, because I thought it was food poisoning. I uh, my response it was made sense at the time was to, you know, limit what I was eating. Um, you know, the brat diet, bananas, rice, rice applesauce, and toast. Apples and toast. Oh yes, yeah, we very. I know that very very well. <laughs> That's basically all I was eating for all year, uh, toast and uh, bananas. Um, it was very, this was extremely limiting and like, it was so disruptive to my life. I have a close group of girlfriends from school um, and we socialize a lot and, I'll, it, you know, food is very important to that. Um, mm -hmm. 
and it just just you know there there's just the time before I was sick and then there's the time after I was sick you know and um there was just this whole year two years that I feel I missed a lot well let's let's talk on a positive note then you speak about something that's positive and that after you were diagnosed and so how are you coping now what did you find was the turning point for you that allowed you to realize aha uh-huh, that's that's actually what i have what did you change uh did, was it your diet that changed was it some medication that you did how did you get past that in order to be on this side of of that positive feeling that you have now yeah there's a i had a big journey after I got my diagnosis, um, you know, because there was a big build up to getting the diagnosis, you, you're waiting to hear what it is. Uh, and then you, you're fine. I finally, I'm told, you know, it's IBS. Um, but then I was sort of left to my, I think like a lot of people have that experience, there's not much in the way of treatment for IBS. So you're sort of told to try different things um, and see what works for you. So I, well, Angus actually, uh, he found out about the low FODMAP diet. Right. Uh, and he, you know, download, Angus is an engineer and his, his, his response to things is to research <laughs> and read. So he downloaded a, a, a pages and pages of um, actual scientific journals about the FODMAP that most people would go Google the low FODMAP diet and, you know, take the first Google result. But he went on to his scientific journal access, which most people don't have, and printed them all out for me. So I was reading, you know, binders about uh, the efficacy of the low FODMAP diet. Um, so th- I did that. We, Angus and I, uh, we weren't actually living together at the time when we started, but we moved in together pretty soon after that. Uh, so together we sort of explored the low FODMAP diet and um, I found once I, you know, once I figured out what was low FODMAP and what wasn't, um, my, my, I'd say my, my symptoms almost went away overnight with the low FODMAP diet. Wow. Um, yeah. That's incredibly for encouraging me. for people to, to hear that. And the other thing is, I mean, I'm sure when Angus and yourself were researching the FODMAP diet, it often mentions that it's best to be managed by a dietitian uh, yeah. because you could start eliminating uh, things from your diet. And I imagine what you did is you you hit on some immediate foods that you eliminated, and that was like an aha moment, and a light bulb went off and said, "Wow, if that's just removing you know one set of foods, what if I start to look at some other ones? How did you then manage through the FODMAP diet?" Um, on your own, because l- let me go back here a little bit. And we were mentioning Angus. So Angus uh, was one of the inventors and founders of Food Marble, and for- Food Marble uh, creates a device uh, called the Air, which allows individuals in their home to uh, breathe into it in order to measure the amount of FODMAP-related foods that they're consuming. So this device wasn't invented yet. So how no. did you go about de- de- determining? what it is that you needed to both eliminate and reintroduce and did you reintroduce because that's that's an important part of the FODMAP diet yeah yeah so uh, when I was doing the elimination part of the low FODMAP diet um food marble didn't exist at all um and it was actually 
when I was doing the reintroduction part, which, as you say, is very important, but it's also very complicated. And I say I found the elimination part, even though it's kind of confusing. There's a lot of conf- there's a lot of different information out there about what's low FODMAP and what isn't. I found that part quite easy. You know, it's easy to cut out a lot of things and just stick to a very basic diet. But it was actually trying to reintroduce things and measure or track how I was responding to those. That was challenging. And it was actually that part of it that Angus seemed to, you know, I mentioned again, he's an engineer. So he just sort of thought that this whole process of trying things and sort of seeing how you feel uh, to him, he just, it wasn't as it wasn't a precise enough process, um, you know, to his mind, he, he, he thought there must be some way that you can, you can analyze this objectively. Interesting. Um, So he went and he did his own research and found out about hydrogen breath testing, which is the first I'd ever, it it was the first I'd heard of it. Um, And I, I have to admit, I didn't really, I didn't understand the benefits of it at first. Um, you know, I was in that process. I was trying to manage my own symptoms and reintroduce foods and see, and, you know, manage work and all the other stuff at the same time. I just thought, you know, I, I can't even begin to imagine adding some other sort of gadget in. <laughs> You know, I have enough going on. Um, But he persevered. Yeah, let me me just uh, explain for uh, the listeners now in terms of, you know, why a hydrogen breath test is could be very important for somebody who's trying to measure the amount of FODMAPs that they've consumed is because uh, FODMAPs, uh, when you consume them, the bacteria in your in your gut uh, starts to ferment. Uh, the sugars, FODMAP is an acronym for a bunch of sugars, and uh, the bacteria in your gut starts to ferment those sugars and produces methane. And um, methane uh, has a large hydrogen component to it. And as you breathe them out, uh, you're actually breathing out this hydrogen. And by measuring that, you can determine whether you've actually consumed um, a lot of um, FODMAP things. But you can also use it for other other tests as well. And I think that's what Food Marble and Angus really picked up on is that I can create a device that will measure this amount of hydrogen that, that I'm breathing out or methane. I'm not exactly sure exactly what Food Marble and the air device does. However, um, in, in kind of easy terms, it's I'll measure the amount of components that I'm breathing out. And then from that, I'll determine whether I've actually consumed some FODMAP related diets. So sorry, carry on from there. Yeah. So I did the reintroduction part on my own. I didn't have the Food Marvel Air device to help me. Um, so it wasn't a completely perfect reintroduction. I, you know, I tried all the different components and I found some things that I could eat and some things that I thought I couldn't. Um, and continued, you know, I went on with my life. And at the, in the meantime, then Angus was working on figuring out hydrogen breath testing and how it could apply to people how they could use it um so as he built prototypes um he i i tested them uh, as he was making them um and one interesting thing i learned from an early version of the air device um you know i had uh you know 
when you're trying to figure out what vegetables you can eat, it can get kind of, well, I found it very tiring to try all these different individual <laughs> vegetables. I can imagine. So uh, there was a, a lot of vegetables that I just sort of gave up on and just didn't eat. Um, and in particular, there was uh, mushrooms that, um, you know, mushrooms are high in mannitol, I think. Um, and it doesn't, you know, so I just wasn't eating mushrooms. It doesn't sound like much, but I, I always liked mushrooms and I always felt that it was a pity that I couldn't have them. Uh, so actually for an early test that we did with the device, I, I did, a, I fasted, you know, the night before, and then I, I ate a, a bowl of mushrooms and tested on two devices, you know, to see if it, they matched up and, um, found that I didn't have a high rise in fermentation at all. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So I was just, it's just a personal victory for myself. I can now, eat, you know, I could eat mushrooms with confidence. Of course I could have eaten them before, but I would have been anxious about symptoms developing. Uh, so it gave me that sort of confidence to, to eat mushrooms, which that, was a well, now that is a, Well, that's a huge victory. And, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll, as an aside, I can let you know that uh, Angus and Claire had uh, left me with uh, an air device last year when we met in San Diego and uh, I have not found the time to really do the fasting and to do it properly uh, to use it. But you've actually given me something that I'm encouraged by because I used to love mushrooms as well. And to find <laughs> out that I actually can have mushrooms would be a wonderful victory. So I, I, yeah. share, I absolutely share your, your victory that you, you can have mushrooms. So to this day, are you still eating mushrooms with no problems? No, no problems. I mean, wow. I guess if I ate, you know, an entire bag of mushrooms, there might be a problem, but uh, I can eat mushrooms. I'm happy with that. I also tested. Um, so when I was doing the introduction, I, I reintroduced lactose first dairy um, and found that I had no, you know, obvious response to that, which was great. But then the second one I tried was um, wheat. Um, I tried, you know, bread. And this was before I had the device, you know, I felt um, I had a lot of bloating and cramping and diarrhea from eating bread. So for a while, a long time, I just, I, I didn't eat bread at all. You know, I, I have been tested a lot for celiac disease um, oh, yes. and I know I don't have that, but I knew that I was having IBS symptoms after eating bread. Um, so I just cut it, I had cut it out completely. But um, over the last year or so, I've been, you know, I don't want to cut out foods at all, really. I'd like to be able to eat as much of everything as I can. Um, it's a wonderful so I attitude. decided I would try small amounts of bread. And I use the, I use the air device myself quite regularly. Um, so I was reintroduced. I tried, you know, a slice of bread maybe once a week or so. And I was just tracking to see if my hydrogen breath levels changed significantly or if my symptoms changed significantly and they didn't. So then I went to two slices of bread, you know, right. Twice a week. Uh, and I kind of found my limit, you know, I can actually have two slices of bread every day. Now I can have a, a normal sandwich, um, every day if I want. Uh, and I know that it's, you know, if I do get symptoms, which still happens, obviously, um, I don't immediately attribute that to some, you know, to 
to bread or or dairy or mushrooms or whatever it might you know whatever it might be i can look back and see perhaps it perhaps it wasn't food at all which i think is uh was probably the most valuable insight i've gotten um recently is that actually a lot of my symptoms aren't related to what i eat that's there's other reasons that's a very interesting observation because i can tell you so i've been um, helping in, uh, patients with IBS for many, many, many years. And uh, um, years ago, we used to tell physicians that, you know, it was the food that was causing everybody symptoms. And they said, no, 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 there's no food component to it. And until really FODMAP was um, discovered in uh, Australia, uh, mm -hmm. did they start to believe that food might be a component. However, we know that because of visceral hypersensitivity that people have in their in their bowels, so that their 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 bowels, especially you know the the ending of your bowel is more sensitive with IBS than other people, that it becomes very distended, and that distension can be very very painful for people with IBS. So that visceral hypersensitivity is what maybe is causing a lot of the symptoms. It may not be a particular food itself, but it's just that the act of eating in itself is actually causing a lot of people with a lot of discomfort, especially, you know, diarrhea predominant and constipation as well, because what happens when you start to eat your meal, and you know this, I'm sure now, because you've done enormous amount of research, just even having Angus around doing your research for you. Um, absorb it, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, you, when you start to uh, eat a meal or eat anything at all, uh, your bowel starts to move things along to make room for it. And that moving along, which is perfectly normal, can be amplified for people with IBS and that can actually lead to IBS symptoms rather than the food itself. So it sounds yeah. like you've discovered that on your own. I'm curious, yeah. you know, with this knowledge that you now had, um, and you've gained a lot of insight, uh, and I didn't ask you, how many years has it been since you were first, you first saw your primary physician who moved you along in order to get properly diagnosed? How many years has it been now that you've been living with this? Uh, nearly 10 years. Okay, that's quite some time then. So you're really, yeah. you're you're comfortable yet. You're sounds very similar to my situation where sometimes you're always surprised that <laughs> you. I didn't expect that to bother me, and I was feeling fine, but suddenly I've I've had something or I've done something, and now I'm not feeling well, and there's no explanation for it, and that just is yeah. the IBS. Uh, we refer to it as waxing and waning, and um, there's no real reason for it. We just don't understand enough about it. We do know that FODMAP can be a component and for, I've heard up to 70% of patients might respond to a FODMAP, uh, a low FODMAP diet, uh, whereas the other 30% might not respond because there's other reasons for your symptoms to be occurring. So yeah. that's, it's a really fascinating story. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, when I cut out all FODMAPs, you know, I had no symptoms. Um, initially but that was a very lim that's a limited way to live in itself um i i think it's pretty important to 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 like try and expand what you can eat um it's very easy and it was very easy for me to cut out everything you know when i first started getting these symptoms because it was digestive related, I assumed it must have been something I was eating. So I cut out everything. Um, and 
I actually ended up, I lost a, like a lot of weight and was really unhealthy from that. Um, and then, you know, you try the FODMAP diet and there's a whole other list of things that you're not, you know, in quotes, you're not allowed to eat. Right. And that's, it's really easy to get into that mindset of limiting yourself to a list of things that's that are okay. Um, but you know, I think it's more important. Food is so important in, in my social life anyway, that I had to, you know, I had to expand what I was eating. I had to experiment. Um, and I'm, I, you know, I'm happy now where I am. I still have IBS. I know how to control my symptoms. Um, I still have IBS. I still, like you say, get surprised by a flare. Um, it can still, you know, hit you when you least expect it. Um, but you just, I, you, I'm still learning to, you know, to live with it. Right. Um, I've become more open uh, with family and friends, especially. Um, I guess I'm surrounded. I'm pretty uh, close with the whole Food Marble team. So I have a whole gang <laughs> ready to uh, give me their, you know, share their knowledge. They're so they're also embedded in, you know, are completely immersed in the in I in IBS and other digestive issues. Um, so I'm pretty lucky in that respect. If there is some sort of new symptom or new new trigger, um, there's someone there who has uh, read a recent science scientific paper about it and can tell me all about it. Well, that's so interesting, actually, that you have your own um, team of investigators who want to hear about your <laughs> symptoms and want to, and and want you to talk about it, actually. And I think that's why you've probably become very good at telling your story. Uh, and I did read your blog, and I'll encourage people to to read your blog uh, as well, just to, to see your background in, in addition to what uh, you're, you're telling us here. Now, uh, what's the role now of your physician? Um, is it your primary physician or are you seeing a specialist? H have you seen them since you were initially diagnosed and do you follow up with them at all? Well, uh, so the, the GP, the doctor that initially I was seeing who passed me on to the consultant, uh, she's actually, I'm not seeing her anymore, she moved unfortunately she moved to a different part of ireland and i did seriously consider following her she was you know just a very understanding empathetic doctor uh you know through this experience with food marble i have read a lot of that a lot of people actually aren't very lucky in their experiences with with doctors and you know they can get dismissed a lot for their symptoms and, and i'm very lucky that i wasn't you know at every stage when I described what I was going through, I was, I was taken very seriously. Um, but my current GP, I see him probably, you know, I, I actually don't see them that often um, about IBS. I, I, I visit maybe once a year. I have a prescription for um, an antispasmodic medication right. that I find very helpful. Yeah, I don't take it. I don't take it every day. It's, a, it's a, um, you know, as needed. Um, which at this stage is probably every two or three weeks I might need, I might need to take it. On a particularly difficult day, do you find that 
any particular time of the day is worse for you than other times? Oh, yeah. Morning is always just after waking up. Yeah, it's and it's um, I've heard that from many, many patients and I've heard that from physicians as well who acknowledge that the morning is the most difficult. It seems that our bowel is, you know, it's waking up as well, much like we're waking up. And once it wake up, wakes up and starts to move to get your day going is when you have the most difficulty. And, And like myself as well, I find that if I'm going to take an antispasmodic, I'll have to take it in the morning. Uh, before my meal, and then I can have uh, a breakfast, and it's it's better, but it's not perfect. But morning is definitely the most difficult for me. I know that I'm going to have a particularly bad day if I have a bad afternoon and I have a bad evening. Then I know the next day is probably not going to be great as well. Um, mm. That's just me, and and everyone's different. And it sounds like you really know your body very well which is really so important. And it sounds also, uh, I used to use the phrase, you know, you roll with the punches. It sounds like you roll with things. You understand, uh, maybe it's a scientific background uh, that you and your fiance have that you understand the reasons why you might be feeling bad and you know that you're going to get past that because you've had good days. So you will have good days again. Yeah, I yeah, um, experience definitely helps um you know there's still days where i might have um you know that feeling of uh you know urgency or an urgent need to go to the bathroom and i still it brings me back mentally to those days when i didn't know what was going on and uh you just get that fear that uh you know i'm not i don't know where the toilet is i don't know especially if you're out and about Uh, i don't know what i'm going to do i you know this is it now. I'm going to be sick forever. Uh, never be better. But I know that, you know, that has happened before and I've gotten through it every time. It's funny. You, know? um, you say, you know, when you're out, uh, you might be wondering, you know, when, when am I going to get to a bathroom? I used to plan my route from home <laughs> to my office, uh, knowing where all the bathrooms were in case I needed it. And yeah. I guess over the years, I've, I've had more confidence now that I don't necessarily need to do that. And I know that I'm going to be okay. Uh, or like you said, there are some days where you just didn't go to work because you couldn't actually make it. And so yeah. those are the days and you start to recognize those days, but it's a more positive thing. I mean, you can go to a grocery store. Um, you can go out to an event and feel a little more confident depending on how the, how the day has been before that. Well, um, I guess with my experience, um, I, I, I have ha- I have asked to use bathrooms in, you know, I've a- I I I ran into a church once and asked if I could use their bathroom. <laughs> I've gone into you know petrol stations. I've gone into, um, you know, doctors' clinics that I'm not a patient of, <laughs> and uh, no one has ever once not let me use their bathroom. Um, so I I have that experience in my head if it does happen you know um you're not you're actually never that far from a bathroom unless you're there, and that's funny there are still adjustments I make in my life you know um I'm not a, a huge fan of say camping <laughs> right. um because the obvious reasons yeah. you don't necessarily yeah, want to, to be in the forest yeah. <laughs> most of the time by yourself 
and it's just not comfortable. So I, I, I understand that. There are others, though, who feel that that's a risk that they're willing to take and they're they're OK with that. It's everybody's an individual with this and, and what you're willing to tolerate. Yeah, that's true. And I wish that um, I wish I had or someone had said that to me, maybe when I first got my diagnosis that uh, there there, you know, you will find a solution, but it's not going to look like anyone else's solution. Um, it's just so individual. That's a really good statement that you actually said. Uh, it is a very individual and it's not going to necessarily look like somebody else's solution. Uh, I might actually use that. So th <laughs> thank yeah. you for that. Um, so tell me, how does Angus, like what role does Angus play other than, you know, from a scientific perspective? Uh, he sounds very supportive. I know when he told me your story and he told me that he invented this device in part because of your story. Um, how else would you describe him and how is he supportive? What do you find supportive of him um, day to day? Well, you know, he he knows more about IBS than I do. <laughs> uh, he's um, I was listening back on your 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 interview with Angus and his sister, Claire, and you mentioned at the end that they're two very smart people. Um, and it's so true. Angus is is extremely intelligent. Uh, you know, he his mind turns on things that other people just don't see. So he's extreme. He's very understanding, even when he doesn't have personal experience of something. He always wants to find a solution for things. You know, he doesn't like to think that there's a problem that he can't that that doesn't have a solution that just doesn't exist for him which is why i think when he started looking at this hydrogen breath testing problem it was um it was probably in a way very exciting for him because it is such a ta it's such a complicated problem um i think he sort of he saw you know he could really dig into this problem and and find a a solution that to be honest, other people just weren't working on at the time. So um, it sounds like there was something you said in there. Uh, it sounds like Angus has a lot of empathy for yeah. not only for yourself, but he can put himself in the, in the place of others who are suffering very similar um, symptoms and illnesses. And he can try and un un uncover it and unravel it a little bit and try and put himself in that position. So it sounds like it's a wonderful relationship for you to have somebody like that who can, who really feels it like you were feeling it. I, I could really, when I, when I met him and when he told me the story, uh, I could, I could see that. Um, I could see it in his face, how upset he was and, and how he didn't want you to live a life like that. Um, I guess, yeah. I guess the one thing is somebody who doesn't have IBS and who sees the symptoms he probably gets very upset, like my family gets upset, when they're seeing that they can't do anything, that you're going to go through it, you're in the bathroom a lot, uh, you're an event, you're all, uh, you're looking forward to an event, and you get to the event, and then you start to feel unwell, and um, he must really feel it. And so uh, that, that helps. I want people to appreciate the fact that having somebody on your team like that, that makes you feel... A little bit better. I don't know about you, but it makes me feel a little bit better 
that they're as concerned as I am that I'm not feeling well. Is that true in your situation? Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't imagine how hard it would be to have these kind of problems because they're sort of all-consuming kind of problems. You know, if you're having an IBS flare-up, you, you can't do anything else. Um, so Angus's understanding and uh, empathy and his patience um, because there's a lot of stops and starts and in with these kind of problems um i i couldn't am i yeah i'm 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 very grateful that i met angus um when i did he's um yeah yeah he's he's great and uh you know when he started talking about doing some kind of tech or some sort of solution to my problems. I I remember thinking like, you know, there's no point. Cause there's just no point. It's not, uh, I was very down about it. Um, so Ang Angus was, uh, uh, just the fact that he wanted to work on, on a solution for a problem that, that I, 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 I just thought I was going to have this problem for the rest of my life, you know, and I, I do in a way, but like, it's, 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 it's much improved. Um, just his, his concern that, you know, he was going to try and do what he could to make yeah. things better. I wish that people could actually see your face when you said <laughs> that, because you said it with such resolve that, you know, why bother? How can somebody possibly do something technical or scientific that could actually possibly help me and yet yeah. somehow he has and yeah. uh, I, I think people should realize and it's it's not that you know angus and his team have invented the the low fodmap diet he he didn't but what he did is he made it uh, easier for us to manage our symptoms and understand yeah, cool. that and that that's such a important thing that people need to realize that um, there, there are different ways to look at this and he came up with a solution that must have been absolutely shocking when he came home with the first prototype or he was probably working on the prototype at home but nonetheless when he had this first prototype and you tried it you must have been shocked I was and I honestly I was I don't know maybe I have a pessimistic outlook but I, I remember thinking you know why hasn't this why hasn't this been done before? <laughs> you know, uh, I just couldn't, you know, it took, it took, Ang it took someone like Angus to, to think that it was a problem worth fixing, you know, and that he could do something about it. Uh, well, well, to your point, it, it has been done before, but it's done usually in a lab and you're, and yeah. you're doing it, um, you know, as a, a full, you know, workup with large machines, um, not sure anybody really thought about something that you can hold in your hand. And, um, you know, I will uh, show a picture of this when I when I post the podcast. Uh, you know, here's the device that we're talking about. And it's as small as, uh, you know, the palm of your hand. And yeah, so, it kind of reminds me of an old um, uh, Game Boy cartridge. Oh, exactly. Yes, that's that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. I'm so it's small. Yeah, it's, it uh, is small. smaller, it, you know, not as long as a credit card. Um, I want to, I want to wrap up a little bit because we have uh, limited time 
on this call. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to ask you, you know, what do you hope that people can learn from your journey? And is there something that we haven't spoken about that you think people would find helpful for them? Because I, I think your story is a wonderful story and it's such a positive story. Uh, well, I, I think, yeah, the most important point for me, we, we did touch on it before, is that uh, the solution, you know, with IBS, the solution is very personal. And like, I have friends with IBS and all of our symptoms are completely different. So how we manage our symptoms are all completely different. Um, I think people, they go to a doctor, they get some tests, they get a diagnosis and they expect a treatment, but it, it's not like that, which can be very disheartening. But I think there are tools out there for people. Uh, there's ways out there for people to, to, you know, you have to work on it yourself. Um, but there is, there will be a solution that suit that works for you. And uh, I think that's 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 the, the the one thing I I would like to say to people um, yeah. that there is definitely something that will work for you. You have to be open minded and you have to try new things, but you'll definitely get there. That's a wonderful message. So thank you so much. I really well, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. It was great meeting you.